Welcome to South Island Hardcore. I'm Jack McEnroy, co-host and founder of South Island Hardcore. <laughs> Steve Walsh. Hello. <laughs> uh, I'll explain that in a minute, Steve. No, just leave it. People understand. <laughs> people know. People know what I bring to this show. I guess this week, uh, as we go over some local news, is Daniel Ruiz Tyson. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Thanks for having me on again, guys. And uh, can I just say right at the outset that the last four months since I last saw you. I've not stopped thinking about Jack's giant hands. <laughs> there have been many moments, probably every day, where I've had a moment just thought, my God, those hands. Yeah. You're not alone. Is there you're a time you, you know, you're struggling with a pickle jar and you're like, if only, if I could have one man's hand. Well, that's the irony. I'm, I have to get people to open jars for me because really? my hand injury. Yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not very strong. Just what a great goalkeeper you would have made with those hands. Terrified of the ball. Pat ball, though. As we spoke oh. about before, just swing your arm and you're just smashing it. <laughs> that would be unfair, wouldn't it, really, to come up against you in Pat Ball? It'd be like a racehorse. You'd have to like put it into different classes, wouldn't you? Yeah. Super heavyweight. <laughs> I feel safe right now, I just want to say that. Just yeah, looking you at your hands, I feel you're safe. as you, safe as possible. Have you been working out, then? Uh, a little. A little. bit more time on my hands these days, guys. So, episode 102, we talked to Daniel about his podcast... Um, Daniel Rears Tyson is available and other work The Letter for example he is now back on Resonance FM Monday nights 10pm it's on resonancefm.com and uh, 104.4 on your radios and listen to it because yes, uh, we can't fully recommend this it's essential listening it, it is yeah you know. But yeah, I, I listen to it every week and I enjoy yeah. it so much man and it's very complimentary to what we do you know you have a, a South London emphasis uh, More so, of late. Yeah, maybe it's a South London station, Jack. Yeah. But is it not? Is it facing with its back to the Thames? <laughs> that's how I feel. It's Ten o'clock on a Monday like night, preaching to the <laughs> hello South London. <laughs> I probably my shame is that I, I I would like maybe to deep down I probably want to be just on the other side of the Thames, Pimlico, you know, Grosvenor Road. I just want to <laughs> you know I want to, I want to be able to see South London, but from you the want other side S- of the river. SW postcode, but not over it. Yeah, SW one. <laughs> SW. That's what I'm working towards as an old man. Um, yeah, Owen Pomery listens every week. David yeah. White, you know, these are high-caliber people, Steve. Yeah, these are people who are not easily impressed. How's it going, doing it live? I find it's a lot easier than doing pre-recorded. I find I need that edge. Although, you know, sometimes you can be crippled by the live aspect. Uh, you know, my stand-up days, uh, there were so many nights, bad nights, where it just... Uh, you know, you'd forget your opening line before you go on stage. For me, uh, the key to doing a live show on radio, for me, because of my personality, is just hit that opening line big, bigger than I am. You know, I'm a low-key guy. Just hit it big and then, you know, just feel, and, you know, feel your way into the show. And, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I think uh, it just feels, it feels right. Uh, I was saying before the show, I listened to um, your Sherlock Holmes show. And uh, there was a guy I was working with recently who loved sports. He was obsessed with sports. There was not a single sport that he didn't watch. Every time he watched a sport, he had a team in the Indian Premier League, cricket. Uh, he, had a, <laughs> he has a team in the NFL. Every sport around the world, he has a team and he knows their history. And he'd come in on a Monday morning. Oh, they were on it. They were absolutely on it. Oh, he was on it. Everyone was on it. <laughs> now when I do my show, I'm thinking to myself, I'm on it. I'm really on it. <laughs> I heard your Sherlock Holmes Show. I'm walking up Relton Road, listening to it, as I told you guys uh, before we went on air, and I'm thinking, these guys are on it. Everyone's on it. It's about being on it. Yeah. And I feel on it. You know, I feel, I feel it's kind of developing organically, and I just feel, uh, it just feels right. And it's, uh, it's, it's enjoyable. You know, I've got a few more weeks left, and, uh, you know, it's been, a, it's been a great experience. They're all on iTunes. 
Um, if you go to Wash Six Down Seven West Egg, yeah, dot WordPress dot com. Still working on the uh, elusive website. Had a, <laughs> had a meeting today just on the uh, website, so hopefully that will be changing soon, and that will hold all my work. So once the brace period's over, maybe we can talk about the website period. Twentieth of uh, June, three o'clock. That's when it's happening, guys. Make a wow. make a note. The brace comes off on the 20th of June. Counting down the hours. Less than 500 hours left now. (laughs) Exciting stuff. Set your watches. So we've got some local news. Do you have something, Steve, you want to lead with? Shall I give you a headline? Yeah, give us a headline. Man collapses outside Wimbledon Tesco after drinking hand gel. (laughs) (laughs) So you, Daniel, one of the things you often touch on is uh, how the recession has affected your eating habits. Yeah. I mean, that's another level, though, isn't it? I mean, you talk about, you know, a frozen meal taking a month off your life. Yeah. Hand gel. It's not... No, it's no it's one's, not effective no one's as a, a day, intoxicant. It? But it's what... You can't... You go to hospitals and a lot of them do remove their hand gels. It's obviously... Uh, mm. I would imagine he's, a, he's, a, he's a, a gentleman with a disposition to alcohol. Yeah, I reckon. I only wrote the headline, but... I mean, he's not misread the instructions, presumably. Yeah, I mean, they, there is alcohol in hand gels. But the, you, know, you're, 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 you, you are, of course, a man who doesn't drink, Jack. Yeah, so you're probably I don't thinking, drink, Jack. <laughs> so you're probably thinking, you know, this is what people do drink. That's not, not, there's other ways to get alcohol. Other more palatable ways to get Can you get, get drunk alcohol. on that, then? I would say so. I mean, it, you know, as I say, there's, you know, much more pleasant ways to do it. But, as you said, Daniel, he's a man with, you know, issues beyond that, to imagine. I suppose the question is... Was it basic range hand gel? What says the difference? <laughs> ah, come on, Steve. This is a this is a man who's uh, in a terrible way. You're making a joke out of it. Oh, I, I was just going to pull you up on a number of things, but mostly laughing at your own jokes. <laughs> real, real one to come in. He almost couldn't finish that punchline because of the laughter. I've got um, three little stories that are, form a bit of a theme. One of which was suggested to us by. Um, Someone on Twitter, um, Melissa Harrison, who said that she thought it was important we should mention there's currently an African grey parrot flying loose around Streatham. So it's also on the New Shopper website, probably my favourite of the local news websites, just because their version of what local news is and how it should be reported doesn't really match up to anyone else in the world, I don't think. Well, they- can I quickly, before you go into it, Steve, I was, uh, you remember... And the, maybe the first local news one, maybe the second, when you were talking about the uh, Bromley woman who yeah. had advised for Arsene Wenger about signing the striker. From aliens. That's the important yeah, thing. Because from... <laughs> otherwise, that's just not, you know, a Bromley woman has yeah. advice for Arsene Wenger. That's not news. But like 18 months after the new shopper and you brought yeah. that to everyone's attention, that was like national, national news. news. This you is... know, it's all like, it was doing Okay, so that wasn't current because I did see that story. Yeah, no, this is... No, she's had a lot of advice for yeah. Wenger over the years, yeah. She's, she's been ready to help Arsenal. And the thing is, all I'm saying is, you know, I highlighted that story, as you say, 18 months, a year yeah, ago. Yeah, at least, yeah. And, you know, this season, the trophy drought has ended. So, you know, I'm not saying that Arsenal's listened to, let's call it our advice, myself and this lady. Yeah, yeah, not me. But, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> Jack distanced himself from the alien advice to us and Wenger. But... <laughs> You know, maybe Arsene just read the story and thought there's something out there, listened a little more to people around him and some aliens. And, you know, Bender played a lot less this season and they won in the FA Cup. True, That's all true. I'm saying. Well, right, Steve, come get into your stories, man. Another story on the New Shopper website, and it's not a story. It was just a photograph, but it was a brilliant photograph. 
heron spotted using a zebra crossing in Thamesmead. A photograph of a heron, like, like the cover of Abbey Road, but with just one heron rather than four humans. Right. Um, and that's, that's on the, in the new section of their website. Yeah. And the, the final story, um, and again, not a story, more just sort of the new shopper trying to generate content. They've uh, put out an open call for readers to send in photographs of uh, pets reading the new shopper. There's one reading, on there, right? Reading yeah. the new shopper. <laughs> there's, yeah. one, there's one on the, on the website so far. And it's a collie with a copy of the new shopper on his lap with his hand over it. Hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's worked. I've fallen for it. Now, and, and I know, Jack, you're not a fan of, of, of animals, generally. No, no. Uh, and you've got issues with... Yeah, the, the, the hygiene aspect yeah. of animals. Yeah, disgusting. So does it worry you that, you know, we've got herons using zebra crossings, African grey parrots just flying loose? Yeah. And how, now... long, how long would that African grey parrot survive in the wild? Well, there is. Isn't there... Um... There's a, there's a, a flock of, of parrots somewhere. In the Elstree area. That's right, yeah. Something to do with a film back in the 60s. Yeah. They, they really? Yeah. Elstree Studios. Yeah. Right. So they they, were... I think they can. I don't think... You'd imagine... I, I would always imagine it would be a climate thing that would kill them off, but apparently not. And then... Yeah, my nan had a parrot. Or my uncle. I'm not sure they lived together. Your nan had a parrot <laughs> or an uncle? <laughs> when I was a kid. So, I mean, they can live in Camberwell. Right. Uh... But you imagine, like, in, you know... Indoors, yeah, yeah, you know, you put the heating up, it's vaguely tropical, isn't it? If you, <laughs> yeah, uh, true, if you've got the right true. insulation, no, my nan's ass at work, Steve. No, so Daniel, you've got some news stories for us, have you? First one I've got uh, one of South London's skinniest homes is up for sale. Um, a house in Denmark Hill, uh, gone up for sale for uh, 450,000 pounds. A one bed in Grove Lane, uh, two floors, uh, two and a half meters wide, 75 foot private garden, um, which doesn't really mean much to me. Uh, all I can say is there's a man who once spent the night sleeping in his storage unit. There's very few places I couldn't live in. You know, I do think I could um, I could do solitary confinement in a small space so long as I could wash regularly. But uh, <laughs> that does strike me as a lot of money yeah. for what is a very tiny house. You did uh, skip over very quickly past the two and a half foot wide bit yeah. to a 75 foot garden. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it is not two and a half foot, is it? Two point two and a half metres wide. Sorry, two and a half metres wide. I wouldn't be able to get in. But the thing is, a 75-foot garden... Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure the garden's as narrow as that. But bring it all the way back down there, isn't it? I saw this story in thought of you, Daniel. 99-inch <laughs> 99 house for sale for 450 grand. I mean, it makes it sound like a doll's house, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Like you say, it is significantly higher, and uh, the depth is uh, regular. But, uh, yeah... I mean, it'd be nice to live on Grove Lane, wouldn't it? Yeah, fairly central. Um, I'm sure it will find a buyer. Definitely, yeah. It'll probably go for higher than 450 as well. Mm. There was a similar story recently where um, a garage sold for uh, half a million pounds. And it's quite telling, isn't it, about the situation we're in? Because like, these stories, particularly things like garage sales for half a million pounds, have been knocking around in the papers for a while. But it was, traditionally, it would have been sort of Sloan Square, Mayfair, garage sells half a million pounds. Yeah. We've got it in Camberwell. Yeah, a Camberwell garage has sold for half a million pounds. We've crossed the Rubicon. Another story I saw a thought of you, Daniel. Um, well, I mean, the headline is, it's, it's pretty grim, yeah, but you'll see why in a minute. Man denies hot tub assault. <laughs> right. It's, I mean, it's a sexual assault story, right? But that's not why. Uh, but that And that's not funny in any way, sexual assault. But, um... 
what I wanted to talk to you about is that it happened. This it was like a groping or something, and it happened on Valentine's Day in a hot tub in a nightclub. Uh, you know, the Coronet uh, at Elephant and Castle used to be a cinema. Okay. I've seen uh, Metronomy there and wrestling. Wrestling <laughs> recently, yeah. <laughs> it's grimy. Have you been there? I think I remember the cinema. Yeah, it's pretty, it was grimy then, and it's still quite grimy. And they had two hot tubs set up on uh, Valentine's Day in a nightclub. I mean, forget the, the sexual assault aspect. That's obviously, you know, don't want to be dwelling on that, really. But what, how do you feel about that? I mean, if you were sort of looking for a night out in South London. I think uh, I just find it... I just find the whole story odd, really. It's, <laughs> it's, you know, I don't go swimming for the... I find it, the idea of getting into a pair of trunks, I'm assuming you would either you would get into your trunks or completely strip off in that type of scenario. Yeah, I think boxers you might get away with. Yeah. I think I'd just strip off. Maybe <laughs> my socks on. Yeah. Every that was why you got the charge. <laughs> There's just something very... Um, I, don't, I don't know if bling is the right word. It just seems very... The sort of, uh, you know, what is this guy, hip-hop impresario who, who was yeah, in a right, hot tub right, what right, kind right. of you know you can't work nine to five and then spend your evenings in a hot tub in some club in Elephant and Castle it just doesn't it's not I mean I think you've prefaced it by saying it's a grimy club and, and this and that my point would be if it was like the, the nicest nightclub in the world I'm not getting that hot tub yeah nah well like it's say like in Dubai one of those massive towers is a models getting into a hot tub Steve Steve from South and Hardcore, get in with us. That particular scenario, <laughs> I mean, there was nothing mentioned about models who know my name inviting me. <laughs> That's a very different thing. But like, do you know what I mean just generally? Have, have you ever been to a phone party before? That's nothing. That doesn't no, what is that? That's like in a night. I've only ever seen it on like um, yeah, eighteen thirty gone wild. You know, on ITV at eleven forty-five. <laughs> Not now. But just like go to I, bed. <laughs> when I was a younger man. Um, when I was in that age bracket, <laughs> watching it at home alone. Yeah, like, so you have, like, a party at Ibiza in, like, a club. Okay. And people are in, like, people are scantily clad. And then a load of foam comes out, and everyone's just dancing, covered in that bubble bath. Okay. They basically fill the dance floor with yeah. this high-density foam. So everyone's just sort just of, Just like, sexualises the place. Yeah, yeah, you're just, like, soaked and a bit slippery. Foam party. I honestly thought you meant phone, as in telephone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's my, uh... <laughs> Because you've been to loads of phone calls. There's another one that doesn't appeal to me. Just where? No, no, it's pretty disgusting. But like, what's your end game? With wet a phone t-shirt party? competition. Oh, with, a, with a hot tub, you'd assume if you know that's on the cards, you're bringing a towel. <laughs> you know, what I mean, you've you've made I preparations. Don't think it's far ahead. I think it's just like let's all get mash up on the hand gel <laughs> and have a soak. But it's also having that as a starting point for a relationship. Do any long-term yeah. relationships come out of those? Scenarios, and if they do, how do you introduce them to your loved ones? You know, you talk about the care home scenarios on your yeah. show a lot. Are we going to face a point in fifty years' time where you've got two elderly people sitting in a garden in rocking chairs, and they're just sort of like leaning over, going, "Do you remember that phone party <laughs> when we first met, where eyes first locked, yeah. and you slipped a hand across my slimy back?" Yeah, I thought you were going to say for a moment, Steve, like kind of a you know those kind of walk-in baths. Right. Like a party. It's filled with foam. OAP, uh, <laughs> OAP walking bath party. So you don't do UKIP, do you? At all? Yeah, you could do UKIP if you want to. It's not really... It is you. Uh, Nigel Farage went to Dulwich College. There yeah, you go. not that. Oh, okay. 
He became a fascist in South London. <laughs> we made him a fascist. They are, uh, what I've noticed about Nigel Farage is people are suddenly starting to say his surname in a different way. They, I'm hearing a lot of... Farage. Uh, yeah. Okay. It reminds me of the time in the early noughties where, uh, in the Champions League, the Swiss team, uh, Basel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think we had Baal. Yeah, I always thought it was Baal, yes. Yeah. 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 We've gone back Basel. to Basel. Yeah. Basel. Yeah. It's the inconsistencies. And now I'm hearing a lot of Nigel Farage. Yeah. Trying to make Farage. himself a common man, do you reckon? Anglicise it. Well, I only want to reference, uh, obviously, a lot's been made of, of UKIP's relative success over elections last week. But I want to just, uh, you know, uh, give a, a small round of applause to South London for not only, where possible, defacing UKIP billboards, but obviously, you know, in Peckham, tearing one off the wall, mm. just leaving it, not even tearing off one and smashing it up, just tearing off and then leaning it against yeah. that same wall that it was torn down from. Just little gestures that were going, we'll leave this here, you can put it back up when you're going to put a nice little, you know, uh, advert. Pack advert yeah, or something, something, yeah, something nice in there. But, um, you know, this isn't going to stay up. And, like, some brilliant defacing as well, just really going to town on it. Not just, like, you know, a pair of glasses and a funny moustache, just, like, tearing his face well, to bits. What a funny moustache, it was a Hitler moustache, Steve. Did you miss? No, I'm saying not doing that. Oh, right. Not Nothing just funny about doing that. Yeah, I went to Suffolk on holiday uh, earlier in the week. And we went to Lowestoft for the day. And we pulled up and there was just an undefaced UKIP banner. Yeah. And like, you know, on the news, they were talking about the east of England is where they made the most progress, isn't it? I mean, we got to the cottage where we were staying. And there were some election leaflets already sitting on the, on the doormat. The English Democrats, no to Sharia law. That's one of their four points. I mean, how thick do you have to be to pick that up and go, well, with that, you know. Better vote for these guys. But don't vote for these guys, Sharia law's coming. Before you know it. But, like, I mean, it's the old point, isn't it? Like, you go there, you, there's no immigrants there. Yeah. You know, we, we got out of the car in Asda, and uh, me and Lakeisha and Xavier, you know, my daughter, who's mixed race, and her little boy uh, with his mum goes, Mummy, she's got a dirty face. <laughs> like that's and these people go there's just too many immigrants you know they've never met one before that's it I don't think I saw a UKIP billboard that wasn't defaced in South no London. I didn't no which is great Daniel don't agree with it. So, <laughs> for me the, the, the disappointment of all of this is history will show every time there's a you know, there's a recession you know people lose their jobs people lose their houses you know these far right parties come in and you know people are still susceptible to it it's mm. really disappointing that yeah, there are people that stupid. Yeah. You were saying as well, particularly after like the banking crisis yeah. and regulations over the last years. Surely we've realised now that it's uh, immigrants aren't the problem. You know, no. I'm saying like I grew up, uh, you know, in the nineties, and you saw people talking about like uh, Bosnians or whatever, or you know, before that, people talking about you know West Indians or whatever, and after that, whoever Kosovans and stuff. And not that you ever kind of thought, oh yeah, maybe these people are part of the problem, but. Over the last five years, it's been so obvious who is to blame for the state that the country's in, who the big problem are, the rich, Over the last you know, five the bankers. Months, we've sold the post office, and off of that, George Osborne's best man at his wedding made £36 million. Mm. And but we you not know still, where the after are. that, get people going, immediately after that, people going, oh, well, obviously, like, if we didn't have immigrants, we'd be fine. It's just, the mind boggles, doesn't it? Who get up at five in the morning to do the really yeah. bad jobs yeah. that no the one first else wants of six to do. jobs today. Yeah. Taking our jobs off us. <laughs> Taking our cleaning jobs. Uh, one of my bugbears are uh, the uh, ongoing gentrification of Vauxhall. Uh, 
hotel switch to cost 400 jobs was the headline. Um, this is uh, 400 jobs unlikely to materialize after a major development uh, swapped seven proposed floors of office space with an expanded five-star luxury hotel. This is the um, Market Towers on Nine Elms. That's now been sold. I went past it today on my way to see you guys and the building work started on that. Uh, the developer behind One Nine Elms, uh, due to replace the vacant Market Towers, has won permission for a much larger hotel in place of the proposed offices. Um, it's a Chinese firm that admits, they've admitted this will bring in, you know, 400 fewer jobs. And it worries me because I think this will be the first instance of, you know, numerous occasions, um, numerous instances in the next few years where we're going to be hearing this, where suddenly all these towers that are cropping up in the area, they're not going to be what we were told they were going to be, which the area probably didn't need. I don't think it needed another hotel there. Um, well, as you say, it's not. It's be, The initial developments are sold as, you know, will help the local community and local economy. Yeah. But it won't. It will help the American Embassy. That's what everything's being built there for, isn't it? You know, as you say, you know, you know yourself, the Nine Elms in Sainsbury's is being redeveloped. Yeah. You know, just Hershey all over the place, I reckon, when it reopens, isn't it? <laughs> and if it isn't, they're missing a huge trick. There is a new Reese's bar at Sainsbury's lately, so... Right. Rothko's Black on Maroon is back on show at the Tate Modern. Uh, it was damaged. Do you know about this? No. It was damaged like 18 months ago. Uh, but the guy, um, oh man, I could barely pronounce his name, let alone through the prism of my handwriting, Vladimir Umarek, something like that. Uh, he, You're saying that and then looking at us like, <laughs> we're going to correct you about either of those names. <laughs> but this guy, yeah, uh, he signed his name on this on this Rothko. Just quickly, did he definitely not do the painting? He's not Rothko. No, but the, like Rothko might have just sort of nicked it off him, who knows? He's a younger, younger man. But right. he, wrote, uh, he wrote his name, signed it, and he said he wrote a potential piece of yellowism on it. And uh, so he got two years in prison for that, right? What? Yeah, I mean, you could sort of, for damaging a painting, you can get that for damaging, for killing someone, people yeah. have got less than they. You know. But um, the guy who's in charge of the Tate said it was a sickening, sickening act. The, the, the two year jail sentence, I think he's right. Hmm. Um, I don't think people should be defacing paintings, but no. there's no well, it way caused two hundred thousand pounds of damage. Yeah, but that's that's objectively. There's no, yeah, you know, true, that's true, that's true. based on, uh, you know, spurious valuation. Don't send people to prison for defacing paintings. No. Well, get they... him to do community service, but in an ironic twist, it's only painting that he's allowed to do. <laughs> Removing paint. Or removing paint. Even more yeah. ironic. Restoring that. Do you know the Jerry Seinfeld bit where he's talking about, uh, you know, you've got these multi-million pound works of art and you've got a guy with uh, the New York Times and a flashlight standing next to it. <laughs> him. But so they asked the guy at the Tate, you know, are you going to be tightening security? And he said, this is, uh, this is an art gallery, not a prison. To know basically. So if you want to get down the Tate and do a bit of damage. I mean, it's not going not a prison, but it sounds like it's very close to getting you to prison. They are, <laughs> they are going for custodial sentences if you do mess around with anything. And what does that guy do when he was in prison? I mean, in terms of his reputation, you know, what are you in here for? Yeah. I defaced a painting. You're in trouble straight away. You're not really <laughs> worrying anybody in yeah. there, are you? You have to just go in and just punch. I defaced the biggest work of art I could find on the wing. I'm a Dadaist. <laughs> Also, it's one of those things, it's such a vague offence. Like, how do you prove rehabilitation? 
that they have to like it goes like a parole meeting and they've got you know a famous work of art in the room and they just have a pen <laughs> on the table <laughs> and if he can resist the 40 yeah. minutes of the hearing without writing also um, it's not like he you know you're not a fan of Rothko Steve you're uh, justifying no, I, this uh... I, I like Rothko's work but I just think don't send anyone to prison for defacing uh, art you know obviously as you say discourage him or not but also, it sounds like if you are going to face a work of art, definitely write your name on it and um, a little a little live comment. I think that's quite a nice way to deface a work of art. Loads of rough codes, isn't there? Yes. Bert Cooper's got one, hasn't he? I've got the uh, the Herne Hill piano. The street piano is really they irritating me. <laughs> <laughs> I've, uh, I've become familiar with the Herne Hill piano in uh, recent months. Um I just think it's trying a little too hard. I don't like things that try to engineer a sense of community. You get people stopping and playing it. Uh, for me, it's not so much an issue with the piano. I love pianos. Uh, I wish I could play the piano. I remember uh, a few years back, you've got the, great, the, the piano in the Great Hall at St. Thomas's. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Mm. And anybody can play it there. And I remember one night seeing this guy playing the piano beautifully. Uh, and I noticed that he had two guys either side of him sat really closely. And I thought, that looks odd, until I realised the guy in the middle playing the piano was handcuffed. These guys were prison officers. Oh, and I wow. thought, well, what has to happen to your life to go from playing the piano as beautifully as that to yeah. being inside? But you face one painting. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it was him. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the Herne Hill piano, it just, uh, you know, I don't, I don't buy it, really. It just... They've made a film about it. They have, yeah. they have. And that leads me into the next item, which is the Herne Hill... Uh, free film festival, the street festival. Again, I think when I was on your show last time, uh, I think I mentioned the the summer cinema at Clapham Common and my issues with that, uh, which are far more obvious than uh, the issues I have with with a, a street cinema festival. It's just you know they're encouraging people to bring out their deck chairs onto the streets, into the parks. It's not just the hygiene aspect. It's also a lot of these guys may be tenants. You know if they if they. If they've got an interval, an old school interval during the film, you've got to keep an eye on that chair. If that chair goes missing, you're, you're screwed when it comes to your checkout inventory. You know, how you, 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 <laughs> you know, it's, uh, yeah, I think it ends this weekend or it's just ended. The it's home. ending uh, yeah. as we record now, actually, okay. with the screening of Labyrinth, which I've oh. retweeted a few times. Why? Just to try and annoy you. I was hoping that you'd spot it. Undo the retweets. And, and tell me <laughs> to stop retweeting a Labyrinth screening. Yeah. Nah, dreadful, isn't it? Like, I suppose, like outdoor screenings. <laughs> no, like outdoor screenings, isn't it? Vastly overrated. Yeah, I mean... Stained with dog mess. Also, you've always got rain as a theory. You can't really relax and enjoy it at any point, can no. you? And, you no. know, there's... It's no... I mean, you can't see or hear it as well as you would at home. And there's also the cinema. romantic idea of uh, sitting in the park in the evening, but the reality situation is once the temperature goes, you know, it's yeah. not just not fun, is it? No, I'm not up for it. I've never been to one, and like, even places like Somerset House, they do it. Yeah. Don't watch the good, the bad, and the ugly there. Go and watch it at the cinema when it's on. Not keen, man. What's the Hernhill piano? Is where? In okay. the walkway in Hernhill Station. Right. Okay. I was completely unaware of it until the last uh, couple of months. Yeah, me too. You got people playing it. They're being filmed playing it. I just—it's trying a little too hard. Yeah. For me. Right. It's not organic, is it? It's like we'll put a piano here. People will love it. Let's make a film about it as well. Before they've even put it there, they've planned the film. Yeah. Did they? And let's show it at the outdoor festival. On a similar note, 
another uh, new shopper story, and therefore not really a story at all. <laughs> Where do I get the new shoppers? Uh, they've got a website. Yeah. The only thing is it only covers, it covers like Bromley. It's like the South London area, you know these papers, like what's the other one? The, the lo- your local Guardian? The Guardian, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they cover like Wandsworth, don't they? Yeah. They all cover very specific areas, and the new shopper one covers like Bexley Heath, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, go down to Erith. Yeah, so you're not getting like Lewisham news in there. Not that you want it. Though. Having said that, the story I've got is uh, Busker's invited to audition for Spot at Lewisham Shopping Centre. So well, you, will, me, you, will finish, <laughs> you will get Lewisham. Um, yeah, uh, you know, and it does relate to what you were talking about uh, with the piano. Um, I don't know if you've ever uh, publicly given you views on Busker's, but I don't imagine it being a positive one, do you? Uh, no, I, I remember I was in uh, Paris in the late 90s and I was really impressed with their buskers. They'd come onto the, the trains on the mm. metro. There were some stations where that you'd be uh, in between stations two or three minutes. You know, they'd come on, they'd, uh, they'd hook a bar, a, a little rail, set up a curtain, they'd do puppet shows. I'd never seen anything wow. like it. Yeah, yeah. Here we just seem to have buskers singing U2 songs. I, you know, <laughs> I want a little bit more before I start giving any money. I want less. Money. <laughs> well, I, I, I like the idea of auditioning. I think that could be valuable. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it what does... was the story then? So, the, the, did you but, say already? Yeah, buskers have been invited to audition for a spot at Lewisham Shopping Centre, so oh, they're right, going to have right, a busking right, right. spot. But similar, they do it in the underground now, don't they? Where you have to like perform in front of a panel and just sort of show that it isn't. It's just a no from be... me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was on the on the Victoria line the other day, coming back from um, Walthamstow, and these three guys got on and did a bit of world music and it was European something or other. Well, when we come back from the hotel as well, wasn't it? it like They've been playing for 45 seconds. Was that, was that it? Actually? Yeah. And, it was and the guy's going around with a butter tub for yeah. you money. You've been playing like, for less than a minute. The, that, that accordion isn't even properly unwrapped yet and you're asking me for cash. I mean, it, it was quite an impressive setup because there was an element of smuggling as well where mm. they were just four guys standing there and then suddenly... Yeah, they had like they waited the, car, the train to move. The guy with the accordion they had it like strapped to his side and like flipped around to the front and pulled off a little uh, blanket. Um, I've I don't I've never enjoyed a busker. I don't think I've enjoyed like a her. busker, but I've certainly never really? given him any money. You've enjoyed a busker. I've never yeah, like occasionally. Yeah, there's a guy in Paris actually, funny enough, playing John ah, Lennon, working class hero. Right, and I thought that was really good. First in London. There. No, I can't. Say no, I have. Yeah, it's been. Oh, you know what? Right, it was once. Sitting outside KFC uh, in Leicester Square, there was a homeless guy, and he had a traffic cone. He was just making noises through it, <laughs> and that uh, maybe I was almost crying with laughter. A, <laughs> not a busker. <laughs> well, I mean, B, also splitting hairs. But I think also you can't. I, I I don't trust any response from you in the afterglow of a KFC. <laughs> yeah, he's, a, he's such a natural high. Yeah, you're there going. What a beautiful music that's <laughs> making. We're traffic going. It's just that. It's just that secret recipe just settling in your gut. Isn't it? I was in uh, St James's Park today, and there was a crowd of hippies sitting round, and one of them had a bongo, and about six of them had didgeridoos, just like just seven too many, at least. just like blasting it out. Why do you need? Like there are no bad notes with a didgeridoo, are there? <laughs> But after, you know, in his role, after Rob Harris' revelations... Tarnished. Yeah. So I came across this story, Steve, and it led me into another more relevant story, really. Um, in the last five years, six years, London's visitors have increased by 14%, which is 
while the rest of the country has decreased by 14%. So James Beresford, the chief executive of Visit England, who I guess had a tourist board, is that the same thing? Yeah. Um, he says that London is overshadowing the rest of England and in a quite real way that more people are visiting London, a disproportionate number. Right, that led me. So I thought we might talk about that, whether that's the case. Also, in the last, they point to the Telegraph point to yeah, the Olympics. A lot of people came over for that. Right. But also the Jub- Diamond Jubilee celebrations and the royal wedding. And I think if you've travelled to London for that, you want to have a good look at your oh, life. Really. The last five years. Yeah, six years. But the bigger story is that in January it was I don't know announced. That London is now the most popular city in the world. Overtook Paris. Paris was traditionally the number one city in the world for visitors, and now it's London. Not New York. Third. I guess so. Right. It's a long way in it, New York. Yeah. Foreign depends visitors. where you are, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, depends where you are. It's interesting because Paris, I think, was regarded as quite an expensive city, but London's a very expensive city now, yeah. even for those of us who live here. Mm. Yeah. I, mean, I have to tell you what, though, I haven't gone to Stockholm recently. It's just, it's on another level. Well, I remember Euro 92 was in Sweden, and one of the uh, big things that was coming up in the lead-up to Euro 92 was that it, at the time, this was 20, over 20 years ago, it cost £5 for a pint. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I went to the uh, Photographiska, which is like the National Photography Museum sort of thing, uh, gallery even, and the prawn sandwich, right? This is just a gallery, I mean, it's a fancy bar, but it's the gallery bar, essentially. It's like the equivalent of going to, you know, the Tate or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it was £14.25, you know, once you converted it for an open prawn sandwich. One slice of bread. One slice of bread? One slice of bread, yeah. It's remarkable, isn't it? But, uh, so how do you feel about that, Steve, being the most popular city in the world? It's double-edged sword now. I mean, it, it does... You know, it's nice to know that people uh, are enjoying coming to the city. But it's only going to prop up and inflate prices isn't it is it not going to create jobs is it going to create jobs it is isn't it yeah I suppose but um, bringing it back to South London well this you know what I, I couldn't get a ticket for um, craft work you know they, they played like five nights in a row at the Tate Modern and um, I tweeted about it saying our craft work playing every night and someone replied to me and they, they were kind of not happy that London gets everything Right. Why are they playing every like five nights in a row in London? Why don't they go around the country? You know, why do you, do you think the rest of the country is not worth visiting, Steve? My, it, it comes like saying I, I think we talked about it on the show before, where it bothers me. I, I love London, and uh, I like living here, and I can understand why people want to live here. But it bothers me, particularly when you get musicians from the regions who move to London. Because it is, it's a real drain on the provinces in terms of, you know, if the Gallagher brothers stay in Manchester. Always the same example, though. But it is, though, isn't it? Because that's a a good example, because they're very proud. Do you know what I mean? They're people who who make a lot of being Mancunians. Stay in Manchester, spend your money in Manchester, invest in Manchester, create a scene in Manchester. It's sort of like a London UKIP, aren't you, Steve? Yeah, keep them London Independence (laughs) Party. And it, it is the thing where. I just think it's unhealthy for London because it inflates all our prices and unhealthy for the places that are being left behind where, you know, all the money is coming to the city but it's not being spread around properly, is it? It's being spent on high-end uh, penthouses. 
More money on the loving penthouses, I think, is the answer. Just anyway, I've got a little stat here, Steve, for you, right? Go on. How many people do you think went to see David Bowie is? For the V&A? Yeah. for ages, wasn't it? How long was it on for, do you know? Uh, about six months, was it? I'll tell you. 312,000 people went. Right. So that's what we're talking about. That's why it's so full, isn't it? Just going back to your example of... Um bands, musicians that went yeah. to London. The guys I don't like are the British musicians who go off to the States at the earliest opportunity and never come back. Yeah. You know, I grew up in the 80s, uh, Tears for Fears Obsessive. Those guys never play a concert in their own country. Kurt yeah. Smith's lived in the States for over 20 years. They do concerts in the Philippines, Argentina, the States. Nothing in London. They're like, they remind me of the uh, Brazilian national team playing friendlies in London. It's like, seriously, you've <laughs> lost... You know, you've. Are, are they from anyway? London originally? They're from Bath. Right. Um, this is what I'm saying. But spend no that tears to fear yeah. money in Bath. Suddenly, but well, Bath's got plenty going on. It's fine. Though. It doesn't need tears. So, yeah, it's just frustrating, really. Ozzy Osbourne, isn't it? My but, dad went to see uh, Nigeria against Scotland midweek at yeah. Craven Cottage. Yeah. So that kind of thing, isn't it? But it's like when you get Robbie Williams and Rod Stewart uh, being photographed in Los Angeles, uh, just sort of wearing football shirts and waving flags. And you're like, spend your money over in this country. Sean Connery, innit? That's Sean the Connery, one, innit? yeah. All of them were, were you know, uh, who's it, Phil Collins, who said if a Labour uh, government get in, uh, I will leave the country. You know, it's a landslide for Labour at that point. <laughs> and it was, it was like, you know. And, and he did. He, he, you know, took his, I think he went to Switzerland or Sweden or somewhere. But, yeah, it's just really, you know, by all means... You know, move around, see the world. Uh, you know, I, I don't see enough of this country. I always say this to people. Um, you know, I'd like to go to Barcelona. But I've not been to Cheddar Gorge. I feel bad. Do you know what I mean? I, like, I'm skipping something. Till I've seen everything in this country, or at least some major things in this country. But it's economics, isn't it? Yeah, it might also be a London thing. I agree with you. I haven't seen much of this country. I spent a few months living um, on the borders of, I think, Cambridgeshire and... Norfolk a few years back and uh, I think it was the first time in my life where I've stayed in this country but actually welcomed the chance to step out of the city for a few months and just take stock of things it was nice and it opened my eyes a bit really very cheap vegetables I found you know and they tasted <laughs> really nice baby yeah. carrots right. incredible but the how did is... you adjust to that though were you kind of basic French diet this was just before I was on the cusp right, so of going to falling, but uh, gave you a good chance to build up your vitamin reserves. Very it? dark though after six. I mean, the, the street lighting was appalling, right? Um, which kind of mirrored what was going to happen in London, of course, because around 2010 the council started dimming the uh, street lights, didn't they? Um, I, I think I remember one night I was viewing a place actually north of the river, a gold screen. I thought this street's very dark. Went home that same night, news night. I think Jeremy Paxman introduced a, an item on councils actually. You know, dim in streetlights. Yeah, it was like living in the late 70s with the, uh, you know, the strikes and lighting candles. I think some of my earliest memories. Baby carrots, yeah. Baby carrots, Brussels sprouts. (laughs) I've got a story, I think, that really encapsulates all the issues I have with local news. It's not from the news shopper. It's from Suburb News. And it's got a combination of inaccurate headlines and non-story. You know, it's the, it's the wind double. You know, very you, you can get one or the other, but it's very rare you get both. So the headline is, Bogus Robbies Target Tourists. Bobbies, you mean? 
I, I think he means Bobby's as well. But what oh. the headline says is bogus Robbies. And, and you know, is it trying to, it's a joke, isn't it? About how, uh, but it's not Bobby, it's someone that's robbing you. Do you think? Oh, maybe. It's but not then, a bogus Robbie. But the thing is, is the thing is, if that is the case, then we've got the trifecta. We've got a bad pun, an inaccurate headline. Because as you say, if that's the gag, then it's inaccurate. They're actual robbers. Yeah, maybe it is Robbie's. Yeah. Yeah, I just assumed it was a typo and was the slack editing that allowed it through. But maybe it's just a bad gag. But then you get to the crux of the story, which is on in South Bank and London Bridge, apparently uh, people are posing as police officers. Uh, to inspect people's personal wallets and then just taking money. But when they say posing as police officers, they said uh, they're wearing plain clothes. So they're not dressed up as... Hi, I'm a plain clothes police officer. Can I see your wallet? And then take the cash out. You'd have to be pretty... Also, how is that... That's not a specific thing. They've named South Bank and London Bridge... I'll argue that's not quite specific. You don't need to necessarily be in those two places for it to work. It seems like that sort of thing that could happen anywhere in London. That happened to me as a kid in Clapham North. Um, they got to my friend first. Guys just in plain clothes pulled up in a car, started frisking him outside Clapham North Station. Uh, Did they it, announce themselves halt police or anything? Uh, along those lines, they definitely said police. You can't open with a well, frisk, can you? They, they, had him, <laughs> they had him against the wall, you know, taking a while, and he finally asked them, you finally asked to see their ID and they just laughed and got back in their car. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, that was it. We didn't address the Crystal Palace redevelopment, Steve. Because Suggested by uh, James Higgert. Yeah. At Jiggert. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to look at the stuff, so we might have to do that next time. Yeah. I imagine it's a long process, isn't it? Yeah, I had a look and I think he's, he summarised it where he said, you know, similar to what you were saying about Nine Elms redevelopment, it's sold as... Uh, something that's going to help the community, but it's helping businesses. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, we'll go into it more Business ain't the community, is it? Next time. So you can get all of our episodes from com, obviously, at SLHC on Twitter and Instagram. Steve, do you want to announce your live date you've got coming up? <laughs> Founder of South London Hardcore. Yeah, actually, know. yeah, we need to reference this just to explain uh, your interaction with South London <laughs> Show. Um, from the 16th to the 22nd of June... There's going to be an event called the Literary Kitchen Festival at the Peckham Pelican in Peckham. And on the 22nd of June, I'll be presenting a talk with three creators from Self Made Hero, the publishers of many comics, um, one of which is The Good Inn, which we talked to Stephen Appleby about on a recent episode. Stephen's going to be one of the people I'll be talking to, along with Oscar Zarate and uh, an artist called Ilya who have also produced books for Self Made Hero this year. Right, so come along. And to explain Jack's references earlier, if you, go oh, to yeah. the web, if you go to the website and click on the information for the event, I'm described as the founder and co-host of Not South co-founder. London. Not co-founder. <laughs> but, uh... Regular guest, Stephen Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and, and I, you know, I saw this copy on the website and thought, well, that's wrong. But I'm not in direct contact with people who put the website together. So it'd be a case of me emailing someone to email someone to change it. And I thought, that's a lot of rigmarole. Yeah. I'll just explain to Jack that I didn't tell him I'm the founder of South yeah. Hardcore. This isn't a coup for South Hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I know, Mick Joyce felt now. Mike Joyce, even. <laughs> Mick to his mates. 
Yeah, thanks for coming on the show again, Daniel. That's all right. When I went to Sweden, um, I bought one gift when I was there, and it was for you. I've only ever met you once before at that point. Uh, and I didn't buy anyone else a gift, but I bought one gift for you, and it was taken off me at customs. <laughs> right? This sounds like a great story. Yeah, it? no, but it's a shame. I would have liked to have given it to you, but I can't because it was thrown away. But it was basic strange caviar. <laughs> and it was in the white it was like a white tube with a kind of ready orange text like a proper basic range and I saw it I was like I've got to get this and then how I, much was it? I think it was like a bit crass to ask wasn't it? The, the, the recipient <laughs> of the gift it, I'm just it was something like uh... three three uh, no about three quid the equivalent about three quid right that is still pricey but, but it's Sweden isn't it? Once ba- it yeah basic range caviar and uh, I thought this would be the perfect gift. And then I put it in my hand luggage and they're like, you can't have this. There's something tragic about Jack, isn't it? Overlooked for his role in <laughs> setting up the podcast, having goods taken off him at customs. I know. The nearly man of Safan Hardcore, that's all where we look at Jack, isn't it? So much promise. The ham-handed nearly man. 